Well, we're continuing our series we started last week. We just called No Doubt About It. We've been talking about doubt. Uh, how many of you have heard this before or know, know what the response is when somebody says, God is good? Oh, you heard this. God is good. All the time. What about when you're going through trouble and you start to doubt his goodness? Because that's what happens when we go through trouble, right? I can remember when I was a teenager, um, my dad uh, wasn't a, a, a Christian. And I can remember, uh, I don't know how, how this happened, but I remember thinking, if my, if my dad could somehow experience the love and the grace and the supernatural power of God, there's no way he's going to, he, he, what else do you do? You come to faith, right? You, you surrender your life to Jesus. So I can remember my dad had this uh, terrible knee injury, and I, I don't know if it was torn leg, whatever it was, but it was bad. He was in a lot of pain, and I thought, here it is, here it is. I'm going to go pray for my dad, and, and I have no doubt God's going to heal his knee on the spot, and he, he won't be able to deny anymore that God is real and that he loves him. And so I can remember just going, you know, I'm like 16. And I, look, when I, when I got saved, I went all in. Like, like I wasn't hedging my bets. I wasn't looking for something better to come along. When I went, I went all in. And so I said, all right, God, if I read about it in here, then, then let's see it. So, so I went and, uh, to, and I remember how awkward that moment was because he's not, didn't believe in anything like that at all. And so I remember saying to him, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? And I was thinking, this is it. This is it. It's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And I can remember praying for him and saying, do you feel anything? He said, nope. <laughs> you sure? You sure? Nope. And I can remember thinking, you'll be healed in your sleep tonight when you're not looking. God's going to sneak up on you, and it's going to happen. And eventually, <laughs> through the natural course of medicine and human recovery, he recovered, but there was no supernatural moment. And I can remember how disappointed I was and wondering, what did I do wrong? And see what happens to your faith in a moment like that? When you go all in, you kind of crash yourself against a wall and say, now look, God. I'm 16. Even if I was wrong, <laughs> even if I shouldn't have done it, couldn't you have just shown up anyway? I mean, my heart was right, I think. Couldn't you just help me out or help him out or help somebody out? And see, here's the thing. That hurt my faith. It hurt my faith, and it caused doubt. And the honest truth this morning is, is every one of us have doubts sometimes, even doubts about faith in God. Now look, we're not supposed to say that inside the church. We're all just supposed to pretend like we don't have those, like, almost like it's the code word to get in. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. You have doubt? No, no, no doubt. But that's not really the way life works, is it? Like maybe if we just don't say it, it won't be true. Well, I've got two promises for you from the scripture this morning. I want to look at them both from John 16, 33. Jesus is speaking to his closest followers and says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Number, here's the first promise. The first promise is, 
you will have trouble. How, how many of you ever had any trouble? You ever had any trouble? Well, the rest of you just hang on. You're still alive. It's coming. Don't, don't panic. You don't have to fret. You don't have to worry. Did I miss my turn? Is trouble going to find me or not? It knows where you live. It's coming for you. Trust me. Jesus promised. Now, you're not going to see that on a coffee mug or a bumper sticker. Nobody's reaching for their phone to tweet that. Oh, that's an incredible promise. I will have trouble. Praise God. You know why? Because it's not encouraging. But here's what is encouraging. Jesus will always tell you the truth. Now that's encouraging. Because the second promise from the same verse says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Here's the second promise. God's bigger than your trouble. If he's going to tell you the truth about the trouble, he's going to tell you the truth about how much bigger he is than the trouble. So if you're a follower of Jesus in the short run or in the long run, trouble's not going to win. I don't know why. I don't know why it happens this way, but some of it he does now and some of it he does later. And I don't know why he does it that way, but here's what I know. The clock is ticking. Trouble better take its best shot because it's running out of time. It's on a collision course with eternity. But in the meantime... In between trouble and the resolution of it, what happens to our faith? Last week we talked about faith in the storm. This week I want to talk about uh, what happens to us when trouble comes and we're tempted to doubt God's goodness. You don't have to, you don't have to respond, but in your heart, you ever doubted you know, whether God was good in every scenario or not? If we're all honest, we've been tempted to doubt God's goodness at one point or another. And here's one of the reasons why. Let's face it, sometimes it's hard to prove. I mean, just, just, just watch the news. If God's so good, how do we explain, you know, things like terrorist killings and rape and genocide and child abduction and war and disease? And if God's so good, why do we have so many examples of bad? Well, I can remember after, you know, we just passed the anniversary again of 9-11 and that horrific event that happened in New York. And I remember uh, listening to Billy Graham speak from the Washington National Cathedral after 9-11. And I can remember hearing him say he wasn't really sure why God allowed evil like that. Now, I, I, I brought the clip, and I just want you to hear it, to hear it from him. Listen this morning. Why does God allow evil like this to take place? Perhaps that is what you are asking now. You may even be angry at God. I want to assure you that God understands these feelings that you may have. We've seen so much on our television, on our, heard on our radio, stories that bring tears to our eyes and make us all feel a sense of anger. But God can be trusted even when life seems at its darkest. But what are some of the, but what are, some of the lessons we can learn? First, we're reminded of the mystery and reality of evil. I've been asked hundreds of times in my life why God allows tragedy and suffering. I have to confess that I really do not know the answer, totally. 
even to my own satisfaction. I have to accept by faith that God is sovereign and he's a God of love and mercy and compassion in the midst of suffering. Isn't that interesting that a man of such great faith has questions that aren't answered to his own satisfaction? Isn't it interesting that a man who served God so unselfishly can say after all these years and decades of ministry, probably who's preached the gospel to more people on earth than any human that's ever lived, says, my questions have never been answered to my satisfaction. I don't really know why this happens. You know, the Bible has the audacity to proclaim God's goodness and doesn't even try to hide a lot of the really awful and terrible things that people have done to each other and circumstances have worked out in ways you wouldn't have thought they would have and people that were supposed to represent God let him down in such an incredibly terrible way. It doesn't even try to hide it. I don't know who was in charge of PR when the Bible was written, but man, they blew it. Like I feel like they could have ran a better campaign. Represent God a little better than that. Except the only thing is, God always tells the truth. So he has the final word on what actually went in. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look at an event that happened a long, long, long time ago. And, and I want to look inside that event and, and just do a simple Bible study this morning and see what observations we can find on what happens when we are tempted to doubt God's goodness and how do we respond to it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, all the way back to creation. Everything that's wrong with the world today started there, <laughs> right? Nothing's new. Started a long time ago. We didn't invent it. We just flow in it. Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty, maybe you've heard this story, than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, you got Adam and Eve, first man and woman ever lived on earth, God created them. And so the serpent, Satan is using the serpent, and he said to the woman, did God, did God really say you must not eat from any tree? Now here's what's important about this. Satan is beginning to plant seeds of doubt. See, the first temptation was not disobedience. It was doubt. That was the first temptation. Why? Because disobedience usually follows doubt. Adam and Eve had never sinned. I, I, want, you to, I want you to notice this. They had never sinned. They were sinless. Sin had never touched their soul. But even in their perfect state, they were vulnerable to doubt. What does that tell you about you and I's challenge in life in faith? Like, I've sinned. How many of you have sinned? Anybody else? Just me. Am I doing it all by myself? <laughs> you and I have sinned. We've tasted the poison. And if the people who never tasted the poison were tempted to doubt, I think you and I are going to be touched by it somehow. I'm just thinking out loud. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat. So he said, did he really? Did he mean it? Well, yeah, he meant it. 
You must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now look at verse 4. So now, now the temptation becomes a little bit more direct. Whoa, time out. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. So, so what is he doing now? What is Satan tempting them to doubt? Whether or not God tells the truth. God lied to you. Did he really? First it's a little seed of temptation. Did he really say that? And then it's a full-on pushback. No, 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 no. That's, you've been misinformed. That's not true at all. Now look at verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. God is lying to you because he doesn't want you to know what he's really like. What is he really like? He doesn't care about you. He's looking out for himself. He knows if your eyes are open, he's going to have an equal, and he doesn't want to have an equal. So what is God really lying? Why is God lying to Adam and Eve in the serpent's temptation? Because he's not good. He's smaller than you think, he's insecure, he doesn't want a rival, and by the way, his entire motivation to lie to you about what to eat and what not to eat is he's not good. That's the temptation, and you and I have all heard that temptation. If God's so good, then why this and this and this? It's the first temptation that humanity ever tasted. So Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Why? Because in their minds, God wasn't good. Did you know that you and I can always justify rebellion against something that's not good? So what is Satan's trick then? He just tries to convince you God's not good. You know, uh, among children, it sounds something like this. He hit me first. Why did you hit him? He hit me first. Oh, so it's okay. Yes. Why? Because he's not good. He's bad. In, in a grown-up world, it may sound something like this. He cheated on me. I'm going to cheat on him. Right? I'll show him. It's okay to break the rules. Why? They're unfair. And the people who made them don't care about us. And can I just tell you today, the enemy's working overtime to get you to believe that God's not good because that's all the belief you need to justify walking away from God. That'll lead you away. Now look, everybody has doubts. Nobody's saying that doubt is sin. I just want to go ahead and, and welcome you to Kingwood. This is the church where you can bring your doubts to church with you. Doubting is not sin. No one's saying doubt is sin. In fact, the Bible tells us how to treat people who have doubt in Jude 1.22. Be merciful to those who doubt. Why? Because doubt makes your faith fragile. The stakes are high. So don't, don't be tough on people who are experiencing doubt. Having said that, doubt does affect your life and does affect your faith. So let me just give you some observations this morning from the first doubters. Here they are, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Time out, time out. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What do you mean when... When she saw the fruit was good, pleasing, and desirable. She'd looked at that tree a hundred times and it never looked that way before. Why does it look that way now? Because now she's seeing it through the eyes of doubt. Can I tell you, when you start doubting God, bad things look better? Oh, 
They start to look better. They start to look good. They even start to look right. When you live in doubt, bad things start to look good because you're looking through the eyes of doubt. Number one, when you doubt God's goodness, you lose discernment. When you doubt God's goodness, you'll begin to get confused about what's right and what's wrong. If God's not good, then he doesn't know what's best for me. Therefore, I'm, uh, it's up to me to work this out on my own. Do you know why our country's in such a mess? We've rejected absolute truth and we said, God's bad, he's not good, religious people are terrible, they want to ruin and manipulate our lives, and the truth is some of them do, but that's not God's heart. And when you throw off all of that... You're left with nothing but anarchy and everybody making up their own rules. I can remember when I was a youth pastor, I went to a, um, a surgery. Uh, one of our kids in our youth group was having, it was a dental appointment, and uh, I was waiting out in the foyer with his mom and dad, and I had no idea what was about to happen. His dad just unloaded on me, and I had maybe been in ministry about a year, and he just unloaded on me, and he said, you know, I've struggled with this, whatever the issue was. And he said, I've prayed and 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 God won't give me an answer. And then he said something that I just, it just hit me wrong, but I didn't completely understand why at the time. He said, you know what? He said, I have two sons. And he said, if my son was coming to me and sincerely asking me for something, I would give it to him. I would answer him. I would at least explain to him, why won't God do that for me? Here's what he was actually saying. I'm a better dad than God is. Or I doubt God's goodness. Look, it will hurt your faith if you judge God by your standards. Don't look at yourself and ask, what kind of father should God be? Look at God and ask, what kind of father should I be? It's a whole different view. When you doubt God's goodness, you lose discernment. And you start to call bad things good and good things bad. Second half of verse 6, Eve, she also gave uh, some of the fruit to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Number two, when you act on doubt, you spread sin. Nobody's saying doubt is wrong. Everybody experiences doubt. But when you start to act on your doubts, you start to spread sin. It's important that you deal with your doubts because they are seeds that will be planted in the people around you and they will produce fruit. Nobody sins in a vacuum. No one sins alone. No one's sin only affects them. I could tell you story after story after story after story of people who've received prejudice from their parents, who got drug addiction from their friends, whose family taught them to seek revenge, and I'm just telling you, when you act on the doubts that you have, you begin to infect the people around you. Eve, why didn't he just eat it and leave Adam alone? Because that's not the way it works. When you and I act on our doubts, we impact the people around us with that doubt and with that sin. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Third observation. When you act on doubt, you begin to avoid God. You ever avoided God? When you act on your doubt, you begin to avoid God. Every Christian has had the experience uh, somewhere 
That, that when something doesn't happen the way that we think it should, we back up from God. When I went in there and prayed and my dad's knee didn't get healed the way I thought it should, when I thought it should, and by the way, my dad's still not a Christian today, it hurt my faith and I backed up from God and I thought, if that's the kind of God that you are, then I'll just figure this out on my own. Right? That's what we're tempted to do. When trouble comes and Jesus told us the truth, he promised that trouble's coming. Our temptation is to back up from God and say, I'm going to work this out. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to, or maybe we just feel cold. You know, if God wants me, he knows where I'm at. We, we don't do our devotions. We don't come to church. Why? We're struggling. And if we're honest, we're, we're, our doubt, since we're doubting, we have broken out. I notice so many times when people go through trouble, they, they move away from the church. They don't come close they move away you know you know i where where they i don't know where they've been sometimes there's some uh, logistical reasons but oftentimes there's spiritual reasons i don't know what to do so i just distance myself can i tell you everybody i know who walked away from god will tell you how the church or god let them down somehow everybody i know i don't know anybody that doesn't think that you know, even the person who says, well, I'm not good enough, I, I can't break this sin, so I'm going to get this figured out, and then I'm going to come up. You know what they're saying? God can't help me break this sin. Therefore, God's not good. And when he gets good, I'll come back. And most of us, at some point, if this is the way it's going to be, we say, why, why am I trying so hard? Acting on our doubt causes us to back up from God. That's what Adam and Eve, the first, what happened is the temptation to doubt, disbelieve God, Doubt God's goodness, eat the fruit. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to go and hide. I'm going to run and hide. And that's what we do. We back up from him. Observation number four in verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden. This is God speaking, or uh, uh, Adam speaking. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid. Number four, when you act on doubt, you strengthen your fears. Your fears grow when you start acting on your doubts. Where does fear come from? Fear comes from doubt. I've never known a person of great faith who's overwhelmed by fear. Think about that for a minute. Think of the, think of the person whose faith you respect the most. Are they a person that lives overwhelmed by fear or not? No. I've never known a person of great faith who lives overwhelmed by fear. You know why? Because doubt gives a birth to fear. Doubt and fear grow together. If you feed your doubts and act on your doubts, your fear will grow. Now, maybe you've heard this before, what fear actually is. It's false evidence appearing real. You ever heard that? False evidence appearing real. That's what fear is. We can ask, why were Adam and Eve so afraid of God? Why were they afraid? Why did the same Adam and Eve who God had created, he had given them each other, he had given them a garden, he had met every need of their life, he had put them in perfect peace and created them in perfection. Why would they be afraid of the God who had given them so much? Why? Now we might say, well, because they sinned, or like the verse says, because they were ashamed. Was that why they were afraid of God? Or were they afraid of God because they begin to believe the lie that God's not really good? I've let God down, now what's he going to do to me? You ever had that feeling? 
after what I've done, if other people knew, if this was public knowledge, if this ever got out, how can I possibly face God now after what I've done? Right? What is that, what is that confession? It's a confession that we doubt God's goodness. See, here's the thing. If you hide from God when you fail, it's all the proof that you need that you doubt His goodness. Think about it. When you sin, which way do you run? To Him or from Him? And if you run from Him, it's because you doubt His goodness. See, here's what a, here's what a, good, here's what a son or daughter with a good parent does. When they fail, they run straight into their parents' arms. Because they know they're not going to be rejected because they did something wrong. If you run from God, if your tendency, your actions will show you what your heart believes. If you, when you fail, if you run from God, you're proving that you really doubt His goodness. Doubt and fear will blind you not only to the truth, but also to the goodness of God. I once talked to a mother whose uh, daughter was really going through it, and she asked me a question that hurt my soul. She had been raised in a very, uh, very legalistic, very religious background, and her daughter was adult, an adult by this point, and had just lived a really rough life. And she looked at me and asked me, she said, do you think that the reason my daughter is going through all of this is because God is punishing me for my sin. It, it hurt my soul when I heard it. I said, no, no. What kind of awful God would he be if he hurt your children to punish you for what you did wrong? That's a mortifying thought. That's a terrible thought. That's a satanic thought. It's demonic. It's not God. God doesn't punish your children to pay you back for what you did wrong. And, and when I heard it, it hurt my soul. I said, no, a thousand times no. God is good, but when trouble comes, when fear grows, we're tempted to doubt his goodness. Right? It's easy in the comfort of this morning to look back and say to that lady, no, 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 no. But what about when trouble comes to your house? Then you start to look for reasons and why is this happening and what went wrong and what did I do wrong? And you know, you start to try to logic it out. Here's the last one in verse 11 and 12. And he said, Who told you? <laughs> Who you been listening to? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? God always knows, doesn't he? When God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. You know that, right? Come on. Come on out with it. I already know, but it's important that you say it. The man said, the woman, you put here with me. Does this sound familiar to any of you ladies? this woman that you put here with me she gave me some fruit from the tree I was, I was minding my own business I was watching the game and she comes in with this fruit on a tray I didn't know where she got it slid it over and next thing you know I'm eating it I didn't know how would I know and I ate it period few words 
Number five, when you act on doubt, you start to blame other people for your sins. Always do. Who did Adam blame for, for the sin? He, he, you notice she didn't even have a name now? She's not a name. She's not Eve. It's this woman. Right? Come on now. It's this woman. She didn't have a name. She didn't have a personality. He, he, he's afraid the lightning's going to strike, and he's moving as far away as he can. I don't even know who she is, to be honest with you. I mean, I was here. I don't recognize her. I don't know where she came from. Sitting there watching the game. This woman walks in. Didn't have nothing on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a victim. Really. That's not even, not even me. You know, I find it interesting that uh, Bill Clinton pulled the same stunt with Monica Lewinsky. Do you remember his testimony? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. She doesn't have a name anymore. I bet in the Oval Office she did. She didn't have a name when, when, it, when the press conference came. With that woman. But you know the truth is, this isn't even really what was going on. He doesn't really blame Eve. What did he say? It's the woman you put here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. As doubt grows, we start out blaming other people, but we always end up blaming God. It's not just this nameless woman. I mean, I didn't want to bring it up. You're the one that put her in here. I wasn't asking for any companionship. You're the one that made her. I mean, really, when you think about it, it's your fault. How, how can you have sinned such a short amount of time and already be that spineless? I mean, how can sin have only infected your soul for like a minute and you're already a coward? <laughs> really, it's, it's, not, it's not the woman, it's God. Isn't that where it always leads back to? When you, when you feed your doubts, they will turn into fears and they will turn into temptations and they will turn into sin and eventually you'll be in opposition to God. Either in word or deed or both. So what do we do? What do we do with our doubts? Okay. I'll give you the short answer. <laughs> Have faith. Yes, everybody feel cured? <laughs> how do you do that? What do you grunt? What do you, how do you? Have faith. Have faith. Well, that is the answer. Faith overcomes doubt. How do you have faith? Feed your faith. The Bible says, here, here, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Feed your faith, the Bible. Feed your faith, come to church. Feed your faith, come to soak tonight and encounter God. Feed your faith, get in a life group with people who can encourage you and speak God's word to you when you're going through trouble. Get in relationship, knit in. Feed your faith. That's what's ultimately going to overcome your doubt. How did I make it from that, that moment where I thought God had a chance to save my dad and he, and he didn't and he still hasn't? How did my faith survive? Well, I can tell you how it didn't. It wasn't by feeding my doubts. I had to feed my faith. So what is faith? Well, I can tell you what faith is not. It's not a feeling. You know, you say, well, they have great faith. How do you know? Look at them. <laughs> you know, look, look how. Faith, faith isn't a feeling. 
Faith isn't, uh, because emotions sort of come and go, we don't initiate our feelings, they kind of flow through us. And if faith is an emotion, we have no ability to strengthen it. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't saying the right things. You know, receive it, if you believe it, God will bless it if you confess it. And it's absolute hogwash. Life and death is in the tongue, but the control of the universe is not in your tongue. And so faith isn't just saying the right things even when you don't believe them. <laughs> faith isn't lying. Faith isn't deceitful. Faith is also not being perfect. You know, I, I stood on the Word and I claimed it and I claimed it and I claimed it and I claimed it. And that one day I had doubt, maybe that's why all this has happened. That's not what faith is. Faith is also not having the answer. Because there's some stuff we do not have the answer for. Billy Graham doesn't. Faith isn't always having the answer. Faith is not determination. Like if you just, if you just be more committed. That's not what faith is. Faith is... Um, faith is... Something that we don't detect with our senses, so we have trouble defining it. Faith is not being able to predict or produce results. There's a phrase that we use, I think, too often that I understand the intent of, but I'm a little uncomfortable with the implications of. And that is, we say, I'm believing God for, as if God has given me a measure of faith, and the purpose of that faith is to produce X, Y, and Z, to produce certain results. The problem with that is, if the results aren't being produced the way you think they should, the only place to point your finger is at your faith. And that hurts your faith. It's, just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy I'm believing God for. The point is not, did my faith produce the results I was looking for? The point is, is my faith in Jesus strong? That's the point. Is my faith in Jesus strong? So, this morning, what is faith? Here's what I'm just going to say to you, faith is. Faith is a decision. Faith is a choice. It's choosing to believe that God is good, whether you're having trouble or not. And it's choosing to believe that God is working, even if you cannot see him. When I cannot see God's hand, I must trust God's heart. That's faith. Everybody has faith when everything's going the way they want it to go. But that's not really faith. That's, you're just being an eyewitness. Faith is believing what you cannot see. Today, some of you have a decision to make. Will you choose to believe? I remember uh, one night I was uh, up really late and... Um, I, I, because of our uh, kids' type 1 diabetes, uh, we have to check their sugar at 2 a.m. And it was a long night because I couldn't get the sugar balanced right. It was about 3 in the morning, and I'm just exhausted and frustrated. Come on, God. And, and somebody gave me a book, uh, I, something about, I don't know, 
something, something about healing and faith for diabetes. I mean, it's like that specific. And, and, and by the way, most of those aren't good gifts, just FYI. The last thing you need to do is give somebody else another job when they're already working hard. Here, read this. Oh, great. And so uh, it just so happens, though, that although I disagreed probably with most of what was in the book, God used the book to touch my heart. I just, out of frustration, I, I don't even know how I was on the counter, I grabbed it and I sat down on the couch. And there was a little line in the introduction. And that's all I read, I underlined. I don't even know if I could find the book today. And, and it basically said something like this. It's not up to you to heal yourself. It's not up to you to heal your loved one. It's up to you to believe God. And it said this, faith is a choice. And so that night, I took all of my exhaustion, and I took all of my frustration and disappointment, and I said, you know what, God? I'm making a choice to believe you. Not believe you for, just to believe you. You're good. And somehow you're working and I can't tell you the peace that filled my heart that night. And I went to bed and, you know, slept my three hours or whatever I got. But my soul was well. My soul was fed. Do I believe that God does miracles? Yes. I have seen with my own eyes supernatural, physical miracles. Things, I've seen x-rays. I've seen before and after x-rays. Yes, I believe. God reveals himself in the Bible as Jehovah Rapha. He is that, why would he, why would he describe himself in those terms if he didn't intend to ever heal? Yes, God heals. I just don't get to control that. He does. What I can control is whether or not I believe him. This morning, some of you have a choice. Are you going to believe God or are you not going to believe God? Are you going to make a choice to believe that God's good even though you got some trouble happening? Would you just stand with me this morning and I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd come. and Would you find a place you could just close your eyes and open your heart? Every eye closed. Some of you may say, you know what? It just seems like God's not doing anything. I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck in this addiction. I'm stuck in my marriage. I'm stuck. My kids aren't following Jesus. My spouse isn't following Jesus. Some of you younger folks may say, like me, my parents aren't following Jesus. And I can't figure out what I'm going to do. I can't figure out what my next step is. What's important today is that you leave here with stronger faith than you came with. That's what's important. <laughs> it's important that your faith is strengthened. Some of you, if you're honest, if you're honest, there's not a Sunday on earth, there's not a Sunday in the year we could ever gather that somebody in the room, somebody's is not struggling with doubt. And so with every eye closed this morning, if you're here, I'm telling you God is calling you. 
He loves you and He's calling you and you have a choice. You have a decision. You can either act on faith or you can act on your doubt. But only you get to decide. Nobody's going to decide for you. This morning, if you hear and you say, you know, I'm having some trouble. I got some things I'm going through. I don't know the answer. I'm kind of stuck. I, I, if I'm honest, I've been struggling with doubt. If it's any of those, you have a choice today. And you can choose to believe God. Here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you simply today, if that's you, if you say, you know, if I'm honest, I'm going through some stuff and, and I need prayer today. I need God's touch in my life today. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I need God's touch today. I need God's touch today. Yeah, yes, yes, in the back. Thank you, in the back. Thank you, in the front, in the back. Yes, I'm just going through it today, man. Yeah, in the balcony. Thank you, I see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just struggling, just struggling. All right, here's the choice. Are you going to take a step of faith and believe that God is going to make a choice? To believe that God is good, or are you going to feed your doubt? Because we've all had them at some point. So here's what I want to do. I'm just going to begin to pray for you. And as I do, if you lifted your hand, I want you to take a step of faith. And I want you to, I want you to come to one of our prayer team and let them begin to pray for you. And as you come, I want you to say this. God, I, I believe that you're good. you're good. I make a choice today to believe that you are good. I'm, I'm telling you, this is going to be a powerful moment. This is going to be a powerful moment. I guarantee it. Because when you start to say, God, I make a choice to believe that you are good, God's going to meet you in that moment. So as I begin to pray now, you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. Don't hesitate, don't wait, come right now. Lord, I thank you today that you are good. I thank you today for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room to break off bondages and fears and doubts and temptations and addictions. I thank you, God, that you've called us today to freedom. In the balcony, I want you to come. You lifted your hand in the back. Come on, right now. Come right now. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to hold you. I just want you to come right now. Take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Make a decision this morning. Make a choice. Make a choice. And say, Lord, I believe that you're good. Regardless of what I'm feeling, regardless of what's happening, I believe that you are good. I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. Don't wait. As the worship team begins to sing, I want you to come right now. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for the grace of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love and grace.
morning, in just a minute, I'm going to dismiss you. But as I do, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I just believe with my soul God has a divine encounter for some of you. And I just don't want you to miss it because, you know, I didn't say exactly the right thing or you're waiting for something else. I want to encourage you, the, the word of the Lord to you is do not wait another minute. Don't wait for the right formula or circumstances or words. God is calling. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to dismiss, and the worship team's going to sing. Our prayer team, if you'd stay in place for a couple minutes. If you need to take a step of faith toward God, don't leave until you do. We want to pray for you. Lord, thank you today for the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Strengthen our faith today, God, that we might move through all of our doubts. Love you and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.